Well, I'm Matt Hill, and I work for Night Energy Services. Uh, right now, I'm in Oklahoma, uh, actually Edmond, Oklahoma. And my levels look good. Your levels look good. All right, let's officially start this interview. I mean, we've talked a little bit off the air where we said we should have had some things rolling, so we had to start rolling, so the levels are looking good. Uh, and how are you doing today? You're at Home Depot getting some last-minute items before you go into a mandatory, uh, I don't know what they call it, a stay-at-home type of a law. We got the same thing happen in my state coming on Friday, so talk to me about what you're currently doing. Well, uh, as you know, uh, we're all been uh, asked to uh, shelter at home as much as possible to keep uh, the coronavirus at bay, and when you do that, you happen to... Uh, look at all the things as you're taking meetings online and Skyping and reaching out to everybody to keep in contact and make sure the wool field's going okay. Uh, I'm sure a lot, uh, most of our uh, colleagues are in the same boat. They're like, oh my gosh, it's hard to work at home. You got all these uh, pressures on you to, hey, I need to help with the kids and I need to help this and I need to fix a light bulb or whatever. So... You know, I've been doing the home office thing for about 15 years. There was three years where I was in an office, but primarily over the last 15 years. And the one thing that I noticed that was the really hard secret thing to adjust to was how easily you could go to the break room or the water cooler or get some coffee or just stop by a cubes, you know, an, an, an adjoining neighbor either by the office or the cube and have a three minute, five minute discussion throughout the day. That's the one thing that working at home that was just really kind of snuck up on me a little bit that I really did miss was having that office camaraderie, having those little breaks throughout the day. And what I found was exactly what you're talking about. I'm like, you know, I suppose I could replace that light bulb now. And then pretty soon I found myself doing more home projects than actual work during the day. So it's, it's an interesting balance. It is. It's, and, and it just goes to remind me constantly how important our network is because we've all uh, been reaching out. I've been doing a, a uh, oh, I'd say a market study and just calling all the operators with, you know, all my friends that are engineers and uh, getting in touch with them and saying, hey, how's your business? What's your plans this year? You know, what are you guys doing with drilling, completion, production, workovers, fishing? Uh, manufacturing, you know, you need parts for anything. I mean, just seeing how you can be a part of what they're going through. You know, I mean, we're, we're all in this together with uh, not just the coronavirus, of course, uh, knocking us in the teeth a little bit, but uh, also with the uh, Russia and Saudi dumping all the oil on the markets and our uh, oil prices being hit so hard we're just you know we're reeling a lot so now is the more than ever those of us you know still fighting the fight have to work i'd say out of respect for those that are getting laid off just doubly hard you mentioned the one-two punch of the OPEC, Russia, Saudi Arabia supply demand shock and then on the other side the coronavirus supply demand shock you know, there was conversation yesterday I had with Jim Willis from Marcellus Drilling News, and 
he brought up a good point. You know that this this kind of the the shock to the demand side and the shock to the um, supply side is really kind of unprecedented happening at the same time like that. And it it was a one two punch like the industry's never seen before. And that's why I'm glad that you're joining us today because it seems like everywhere we go and in terms of online, there's negative news and all this cutting back and this and that. But at the end of the day, we still need to power the grid. And last time I checked, natural gas and fossil fuels or hydrocarbons are a big part of that grid. And without even getting into the distribution chain, just keeping the lights on and the ventilators going and, and just the sheer basic hospitals, the energy industry has to keep trucking along, keep moving along. And, and from what I understand, you guys at um, Night Energy are one of those companies that are fortunate enough to have work in, in Shale Play USA. And um, talk to me a little bit about that. You guys are, you guys are currently ha have some jobs and are working and things seem to be pretty positive, huh? We're, we're positive. I mean, we, we all, you know, have gone through a uh, restructuring at night before any of this, you know, so we're running lean and mean and are poised to help, you know, all the operators that are going to stay in it so that they're going to have the rental equipment and services that they need at an affordable price with, you know, partners in every basin. Because there's, there's no place on U.S. land that we can't be to help them out. So any operator can look to us and say, hey, I need your services more than ever because, you know, so many vendors are taking a hit and can't help us anymore. So we've got full staff, you know, full equipment ready to be there. And, 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 that's, and that's drilling, completion, production, workovers, uh, inspection, manufacturing. So there's no part of the oil and gas sector uh, on that side of it that we can't step in with, you know, amazing people, talent, and innovation and uh expertise you know on how to you know help out their organization and support them one of the questions i do like to ask people especially when we're talking about the oil and gas industry and business is you know who is your customer and you you did kind of mention you know a, a lot of the different things that you that you guys service so i, I in, at the same vein sometimes you know somebody's customer can literally be 20 people in the United States. And on the other hand, it could be somebody, you know, like a, an insulation company who really can venture into the world of agriculture and other areas too. So with, with that in mind, you know, like there's, I, I used to joke, you know, Hey man, there's not a lot of people out there that can afford your half a million dollar generator. You got a very small market, you know, but the good news is it's a very small market. You know who to go after, but sounds to me like you guys can really service a lot of different people and, and everything. So who, who is your customer, I guess? Oh gosh. Uh, I mean, I'd say any operator that uh, has wells, I mean, whether it be the, the guy that's going to go out and services well maybe replace some casing, you know, they may only have a couple uh, wells a year that they work over and keep the production up, or it can be Chevron in the Gulf that needs, you know, drill pipe for, you know, an entire string of drill pipe to go and drill. So from big to small on the operator side, whether it be horizontal or vertical, 
there's something that we can do to help everybody. So we've been very fortunate to have such a broad market. And it gives me the opportunity personally to speak to everybody from, you know, from the top down. I mean, you know, can I help you as a president, vice president, operations managers, uh, drilling completion production engineers, superintendents, company man. I mean, there's just nobody that we don't want to support and see how we can, you know, be part of their success because they, everybody needs somebody to reach out to in this. I mean, and, and that's been, that's when we're good times or bad, you know, but right now, uh, especially we've all come together. I mean, you know, on and on inside of our own company, I'm very proud of the way uh, my team in particular is always making sure that the customer is number one. What are we doing to help them? Uh, has anybody reached out and said, Hey, we need a discount right now. Let's get with them and, and see what we can do because the oil prices took such a hit and they may need to still go take care of some operations. What can we do to, can we dig deep and give them discounts right now? That's a really tough question because, you know, I understand where the oil companies are coming from. And first of all, I don't think the energy companies have ever hid that, you know, they're, most of them are publicly traded and they kind of have to, you know, adhere to the shareholders and balance sheets and all that other stuff. So I get where they're coming from, but at the same time, Back in 2015, that same request was made, and a lot of the service companies did that. And I don't know if how much more blood you can get from the turnip, if you know what I mean. And well, what, what all, kind of what kind of response are you hearing? Yeah, what kind of response um, are you getting from people on that request? Because they were public with the request, you know, a couple of weeks sure. ago, asking for a 25 percent reduction. Yeah, and guess what? They're you know if they're not asking it because they want to, they're asking it because they. They have well, you know, they have wells to take care of, whether right. it be going to get a new one or uh, go and work over an, an old one. But they want to stay operating. They want their partners to stay in business. So they're, you know, they're smart and saying, hey, you know, our partners right now, let's all come together and see if we can go do this cheaper. We know what, what innovations have we made as an industry to make this where it's faster, cheaper, quicker, uh, better. I mean, the, the, all I've seen since I've started in this industry 15, 16, 17 years ago now is able to go and drill uh, more wells with fewer dollars. And that's amazing. I mean, that, that technology and innovation has come just from times like these mm-hmm. so hey i'm following I, you i mean you, you've you've seen our our price sheets you've seen how we've cut our costs and made it so it's streamlined so it can be done even from the pr standpoint to you know the frac sand pan standpoint to a lot of different standpoints it's depending on where you're going to streamline and where you're going to put your in focus and investment if that makes sense I mean, yep. like I'm saying, even from my standpoint, I, I did. Well, I, I invest my money. I want to return on my investment as well. You know, and of course, being a, uh, <laughs> as you see on my LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter 
and Instagram and anything social media, there's really, uh, you know, I have quite a bit of focus directed at us supporting our industry and making sure that everybody in the entire world understands that oil and gas exploration and development and used as an energy source is really our most reliable, affordable, abundant possibility we have on this planet and it's my or it's my moral obligation to want to make people's lives better my you know my grandfather was always like matt take care of your bubble that's your wife and your kids you know take care of god take care of your wife and kids then start reaching out from that bubble well we've been very fortunate and you know sticking by that and god's been good to us and we constantly are hoping to help others and part of that is third world countries that don't have energy that you know there's people in huts cooking with uh you know cow patties i mean that just boggles me in today's age that we don't work harder to supply oil and gas across the globe so that everybody has a chance to have lifestyle there's nobody in the world that doesn't want to live like americans do Nobody. We are still the land of the free and opportunity, and I'm just I'm I'm blessed and fortunate to be here as part of the industry that can solve all the world's problems. Matt Hill, Night Energy, our guest, and one of the main reasons why we wanted to bring him on today was I believe that there is not enough rhetoric and not enough conversations being had right now by the media about the oil and gas petroleum industry's contribution to healing and fighting the coronavirus epidemic. Now, whether it's from powering the ventilators, whether it's from the plastics that the testing kits come in, or whether it's the diesel fuel that the truckers are using in order to get things from point A to point B. I want to bring Matt on to talk a little bit about oil and gas's contribution to, to healing and fighting the, the planet right now because this is a global epidemic. It's now being hit in the United States. Matt's down in Oklahoma, and he's, he's got a, a lockdown or a, a shutdown, or I don't know how, how they're phrasing it in your neck of the woods, but it's kind of a mandatory stay home, and if you get proper permission, you can go to the store type of a thing. We've got the same thing happening up in the Bakken here, so it's, this, is, this is a global issue. Um, I'm seeing more headlines about how the the climate change is, is is being positive because of this instead of all the positive that oil and gas is doing to help this. So talk to me a little bit about how you're seeing the energy industry, primarily the oil and gas industry, healing and fighting this this epidemic. I mean, you and I kind of went down this rabbit hole yesterday when we started talking and decided to go on air with this is if you chase that, there's there's not one thing in anyone's life that hasn't been touched by oil and gas. I mean, <laughs> we, the all the plastics that go into all the machinery to keep people breathing. Uh, I mean, just ventilators alone. But your your face mask, your 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 suits. I mean, hazmat suits or the Tyvek suits that look like the painters wear with those. You know dust particle mass i mean there's just no end light cans of lysol rubber gloves uh 
I mean, everything I see at home when you start looking at it, you know, because I'm, I'm proud of our industry. So you see, you look around and say, well, what am I, you know, what are we doing? What are we part of? Oh, there's nothing that we're not. There's not one comfort. There's not one comfort that we enjoy that hasn't been created by that opportunity hasn't been created by oil and gas. You know, I, I, I will fight tooth and nail to make sure that my heater comes on in the winter by natural gas. There's, you know, I, I want my dishwasher to work with the electricity produced by natural gas. I just, I can't believe that as a country, it's not the single most important thing to everybody in their heads is, hey, we have to have our energy at all times ready to go. So is our energy source reliable? I'm sorry to, you know, people that love uh, the idea that renewables could possibly be the way, but I just don't see it. I don't, you know, there's the science isn't there. You know, I think you'd have to have a giant windmill in every single person's backyard to even come close to uh, providing enough energy for a couple days. But every single, you know, <laughs> that's all, those things are made from oil and gas being available to go and harvest the metals. So we, we if we go put a straw on the ground with the technology that we have and we have energy, it just... On and on down the line, we have medical supplies to battle this stuff. That there's, we're we're all in a bind if we don't have uh, oil and gas to fight this, you know, virus. I'm looking at the uh, Governor Polis out of Colorado. Are you familiar with uh, Governor Jared Polis out of Colorado? Yeah, I mean they've Colorado. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We, what, what, we, we, Texas and Oklahoma think we have problems with regulations and people not understanding what we do. And then, you know, I have, uh, you know, we have people in Colorado uh, to take care of, you know, our, our business over there. They just, I, I constantly get to be on the phone with them, finding out what they're facing. Or when I get to go to Denver and see all, all my customers in Denver, they're just like, man, these people don't get it. They don't understand what we're fighting for. We're fighting for our lives, it seems to me, to be able to go and explore, you know, our resources. Here's the thing that I don't understand, and I'm, I'm a member of the news media and have been for over 20 years, and I've won awards in the newspaper industry and in the radio industry for... for I love doing. what you do, by the way. I, I can't say it enough. I mean, every time we get a chance to talk, like, I'm, I'm very impressed by... Uh, your contribution to us having a, another voice in our industry. Well, I appreciate that. And and this is, this is a voice that I want to get out there right now, which is I can't believe that there's not a major media outlet in Colorado where the front page headline does not read Governor Polis cites oil and gas as critical essential businesses. How is that yep. not a front page headline? That got, the, there has been a front page headline that says war on oil and gas out of that gentleman's mouth. I mean, that, that guy has demonized oil and gas for the last two years to where he wrote a book called The Colorado Blueprint to get rid of oil and gas. And now 
during All this of a crisis. Up. Oh, now it's it, it's a critical business. And yep. listen, I understand we that all, this is probably not this is probably not the best time to point it out. But when is the best time to point it out? Because to me, this goes against everything this guy's been trying to politic against, and he's trying to cost people thousands of dollars. He's trying to put an industry out of business, and now he admits that it's critical. That I don't understand. Oh, that's not the front page. Sorry, man. I got my soapbox there. No, yeah, yeah. I, I get on mine too. If I get a group of people together, that's the first thing we go to. I mean, that's it's in all of our. It's in the forefront of our minds. We uh, we had our AADE symposium just a few days really before all this coronavirus really uh, started. We were lucky to have uh, Richard Spears uh, come speak. And many other engineers, you know, given their uh, their case studies. But Richard was our keynote, and he reminded us in so many ways how to, uh, you know, just thank goodness we have the one gas just for our medicines. There, there's really, <laughs> there's really very few. I can't think of any medicines unless you're going out in the woods and tapping a, you know, a willow trying to create your own aspirin. But for everything else. Oil and gas have created our modern medicine, and it's why we have better lives and we can live longer and fight fight sickness and and disease. So, so we all talk about it. We're we're a fan. I mean, the oil and gas industry is, you know, it's really it's it's not a huge amount of people when you think about it globally. There, yes, we have a lot of people, but those that are in it, we you know we all consider each other family and when we get together we 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 share and we love talking about how we contribute and supporting each other but we all need to do a lot better job because it's it's really easy to talk to each other about what we do and be proud of it but we all need to have the courage to talk to our neighbors and our you know our friends outside of the industry and remind them why we do what we do, how we do it, that it's not sabotaging the environment. In fact, the environment's done nothing but get better. The more, the more technology and innovation and exploration of oil and gas that we've done, the better the environment has gotten. <laughs> I might have to fight that science on Twitter, but... You know, we also have a lot of numbers to back us up. No, it's true. I mean, if you go back 150 years ago, um, we've gone from burning hay and wood and whales and coal. And, you know, we've we've been decarbonizing as a species for the last 150 years, long before the Sierra Club came around. That's that's just fact. And. When you take a look at the amount of, of hydrocarbons that are that are left in, like, say, a natural gas, you're down to basically one. So we, we have been evolving towards this naturally. You know, I, I used to joke that there was a time when you could barely see the mountains in California back in the 90s. And right. innovation and, and, and a number of different, you know, pressures from the marketplace took care of it. And... These are the types of things that are happening. You know, we, we've been following the Meridian Energy Group and some of the, the advancements they've been making in the refinery. And really, when you look at the innovation that's happening, it, it couldn't even happen without oil and gas. And now they want to, I, I just, it just, it's so different to me. 
how easily logic gets thrown out the window on thrown out the, the window this industry where it we, just I, I I don't even we, know how to communicate. We send people to space. We have satellites orbiting our planet. We know, you know, we we've been able to explore the the universe because of oil and gas because we as a species came up with innovative ways to find more energy the more energy you have the better off your lives are going to be and oil and gas is the one way where we have a efficient the the you know uh, reliable abundant affordable source of that energy there's there's nothing we can't do uh, as human beings we we i mean this we haven't we well, we haven't found any limits to what we can do yet because we have the energy to do it but so people demonizing going to get more energy just has always been yeah the logic out the window you throw you throw that out the window when you're like oh no take away people's energy why what on earth are you thinking so what, what's next for you guys? Uh, kind of wrapping up here, you guys have got some activity. You've got some business at the same time. You're adjusting to the uh, new normal, which is, you know, home officing. You know, there's a number of people that are probably never going to go back to the office. And there's some people that, you know, they'll probably go to the office less. And there's some people go back full time as well. There's some people that are going to continue to work out in the field and their job ain't going to change one bit either. So um, when it comes to you and... You know, we were talking yesterday, you know, all of a sudden now can't you can't to get back into Woolfield events. Well, I was going to say, man, I, it, we I, were talking know, yesterday. Yeah, like, and... I love people. I like putting my arms around them. I like hugs. I like handshakes. I like, I, I'll even take the elbow bump right now. Well, man, I know it's not supposed to be close enough. But it's just not the same having a, a lunch it's just Skype. Not the same. You know, having yeah. Skype over lunch ain't the same as it is going out and having, you know, a, a couple. I I like lining. I like to fill up my calendar with so many meetings that I'm filling it up like two months, three months in advance. Like I'm, I'm constantly wanting to see somebody face to face and seeing them in person so we can talk, talk about what what they do. I, Somebody wise told me many, many years ago, and you know, nothing I've ever done has come from my own innovation. It's it's been really learned by uh, knowing the right people. And they're like, Matt, networking isn't about what somebody can do for you. It's about what you can do for others. When you meet somebody for the first time and you get the privilege of listening to them. And learning about what they do in life, like that's such an amazing gift, an opportunity to see if there's any possible way you might be able to help them in life. And the older I get, you know, that's just that wisdom, you know, just it keeps setting in more and more. It's like, man, that that was just the greatest thing I've heard. So as an industry, I think we've all done a really good job of that is helping each other and i i put our industry up against any other to show how we do that i mean there's there's nowhere else i've ever seen that people come together and find ways you know we're a can do kind of industry there's there's nothing we can't figure out how to get done 
So how can people get in touch with you and give you guys some business? Uh, of course, you can always uh, uh, <laughs> Night Energy Services. Luckily, we have uh, we have our LinkedIn, we have our Facebook, we have Twitter, we have Instagram. Uh, you can get a hold of me at uh, matt.hill at ke.services. Um, of course, you can always call me. My, my number is posted there, too. I love ta- talking with people and seeing how we can work together or, or network together in the future. Uh, as soon as everything comes back to normal, I really hope that everybody gets out and starts supporting your industry events again. We have, you know, we're blessed here in Oklahoma. It's a big, you know, oil field market. We have the AADE, the SPE, the oil field helping hands, the API, the IADC. Uh, I mean, just on and on all of our industry uh, events and meetings need to be supported more than ever. You know, all the, all the oil field companies that go out and do the charity clay shoots and the golf tournaments all that's going to start again so hopefully everybody will be prepared to come back together and see each other and uh get back to meetings like we're all going to come through this we just all got to make sure and support each other and see how you can help each other you know find find ways each day to help somebody no matter what